Hello and welcome to another episode of the Back Check, the Hockey History Podcast, where we evaluate players' cases for the Hockey Hall of Fame. I am Riley, and I am with Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing alright, thanks. And today with the class of 1978, uh, with every position represented in some ways, uh, we have a defenseman, we have a, uh, a left wing who I believe sometimes played center, and a goalie. So <laughs> we're we're doing pretty good uh, in terms of representation. Uh, those players are Marcel Pronovost, uh, Andy Bathgate, and Jacques Plante. And we're going to start with Marcel Pronovost because we both sort of agree that he is the least obvious choice of these three. Um, he played from 1950 to 1970, so 20 seasons, and 18 of which we roughly estimate as quality. But of course, only half of that time plus minus was recorded. So we're really uh, we're kind of guessing because we usually base the quality off of uh, defensive point shares, which plus minus factors into. He was uh, 16th all time in goals by defenseman at his retirement. Um, he's actually listed as 21st in a hockey reference, but they they have Red Kelly, Doug Moans, uh, Dick Clapper, and weirdly Milt Schnipp and Schmidt and Reg Noble ahead of him. Uh, as I've talked about before, Schmidt, I don't know why Schmidt appears, because I don't think he ever played defense in his life, but Reg Noble played defense barely, I think. And Red Kelly, of course, half his career. Both uh, Kelly, Mons, and Clapper, all half their careers were at forward. Yeah. Uh, so it's really uh, – and the same is true for all his rankings. Basically, some of those guys are ahead of him, so really he's higher up. Uh, so he's seven, at his retirement, he was seventh all-time in defensemen, provided we eliminate those guys, and seventh all-time – or sorry, in terms of assists and seventh all times in points. Again, provided we eliminate those guys from the list. He was also somehow the 25th D all time in plus minus at his retirement, even though plus minus was only recorded for half his career. He was on the fifties uh, Red Wings. So it's a safe assumption that he would have been higher up on that list if plus minus was recorded earlier yeah. because the fifties Red Wings were good. Um, he was also seventh all time in games played. Uh, at his retirement, and he was the fourth defenseman only behind Bill Gadsby, Alan Stanley, and Harry Howell, who we talked about very recently and decided didn't belong. Um, Harry Howell, of course, was like the all-time games leader at his retirement, or very close to it among defensemen. Uh, he was also 11th all-time in point shares at his retirement, and he was third all-time in defensive point shares at his retirement behind only Tim Horton and Doug Harvey, so that's pretty good company. And he was the 17th defenseman all-time in offensive point shares. So more of a defensive defenseman, obviously, um, but still, you know, had some offense. And, I mean, point shares are cumulative, but, you know, he wasn't all defense. Um, also, it's worth noting, he had a couple of bad negatives, uh, minuses, I mean, rather, in the beginning, like in the early 60s. And so I do wonder if he would be plus like 100 or something if they had recorded plus minus for his entire career. Um, he obviously doesn't qualify for any per game leaderboards because, like, he literally had... 88 goals. <laughs> but <laughs> if we lower the qualifiers low enough to get him to be on the list, he would be uh, 24th all-time among defensemen in goals per game or last among qualifying players, 8th all-time in assists per game among defensemen, but again, last among qualifying players, and ninth all-time in uh, points per game among defensemen, but again, second last this time among qualifying players. So um, if we reduce the qualifiers, he's still like the lowest scoring defenseman among those group, though I think that wouldn't include Howell because Howell scored even less, if I'm not mistaken. Of the uh, 10 or 12 defensemen who played at least 820, 820 games, sorry, between 50 and 70, 
Um, and I say 10 or 12 because Kelly and Mons would be in that list. Uh, he was fourth in goals, so much higher than you would think. Uh, sixth in goals per game, but he wouldn't qualify. Seventh in assists. Tenth in assists per game. Of course, he wouldn't qualify. Seventh in points. Seventh in points per game, but doesn't qualify. Seventh in plus minus. Sixth in offensive point shares. Second in defensive point shares. Third in point shares. And second games played. So, top five-ish defenseman, depending on how you think about it. If you think about it in terms of point shares um, or defensive point shares, he's right up at the top. Offense, he's a little lower, especially uh, for uh, per-game stuff. Uh, his 82-game average, 24 points plus three. Not very impressive, but of course, keep in mind, the vast majority of his career was played before Bobby Orr changed the position. Um, and honestly, like I don't know his age compared to Reg Kelly, but they would have been, they were contemporaries. Yeah. Uh, and Reg Kelly, of course, being the guy who was actually doing the scoring on that, on the, that Red Wings team. His three-year peak, uh, 52 to 55, a 70-game average of 28 points, but that was pre-plus minus. But, you know, that's that's definitely – there's definitely a little bit more offense there. Playoffs-wise, uh, when he retired, he was the 11th D all-time in goals with only eight, uh, provided we don't include uh, Ray Kelly, uh, Dick Clapper, and Doug Moans. Uh, he was the eighth defenseman all-time with only 23 assists. Um, and the 31st, oh, sorry, the eighth defenseman all time with only 31 points. It's worth noting, uh, clearly, uh, when he retired, Bobby Orr had yet to go on a full crazy, crazy. I mean, Bobby Orr is probably already ahead of him, but you can <laughs> tell, like, uh, well, you know, there was no uh, Pothat yet, and yeah. I'm not sure there's Brad Park yet. There wasn't Gila Point yet, or barely Gila Point. So, like, the, and or and no Larry Robinson, so the, like the numbers were still like you could somehow be in the top ten defensemen all time in playoff points with like thirty one points, which is yeah. hilarious. He was also well, a minus he, one. He was playoff games too, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, he was a minus one for the playoffs. But keep in mind, again, that's half his career, and the cup all all but one of the cups he won, he won before they recorded plus minus. So it's just worth noting that he would probably get a bunch of pluses from those cups he won because it's fairly rare for uh, a defenseman who was like a number one or number two defenseman, um, you know, to win a cup and be minus usually. He was also a third all-time, uh, sorry, third D all-time um, in games played, playoff games played behind Ray Kelly, uh, Talbot, and Doug Harvey. Um, I can't remember Talbot's first name right now. It was like, was it J.C. Talbot or J.D. Talbot? Anyway, something like that. Um Per game, he obviously doesn't qualify for any per game leaderboards, but if we lower the qualifiers way, 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 way down, he was uh, 12th all time in playoff assists per game amongst defensemen at his retirement and 10th all time in playoff points per game. Um, but like these are really low numbers, so they don't really, they're not really fair to him. Of the 10 defensemen, so we're excluding Greg Kelly in this because, of course, half this of Pronovo's career, Greg Kelly was a center. Um, to play in at least 82 playoff games between 1950 and 1970. Uh, Pronovos is third in playoff goals, fourth in playoff goals per game, obviously wouldn't qualify, seventh in playoff assists, seventh in playoff assists per game, sixth in playoff points, seventh in playoff points per game, but doesn't qualify. Uh, ninth, only ninth, well, actually, that's second last, actually, uh, in playoff plus minus, and third in playoff games. So weirdly high up on the goals list there. 
Um, the adjustment for era helps him out, but only bumps him up to 28 points uh, per game for that's the uh, that's the hockey reference, because, of course, he doesn't qualify for the versus X adjustment. He just didn't score enough. He played the vast majority of his career for Detroit, and then at 34, he was traded with Ott Erickson. His name is literally A-U-T. Out? Ott? I don't know. Uh, Larry Jeffrey, Eddie Joyle, and Lowell McDonald, so I know Eddie Joyle and Lowell McDonald of those players, for, funnily enough, Andy Bathgate, Billy Harris, and Gary Jarrett. And uh, so that that ended up uh, actually, as we will talk about shortly, worked out well for the Maple Leafs, but that's another story. Um, so he was top five in Norris voting five times, including one top two finish and two top three finishes. So he was clearly thought of well. And of course, keep in mind, the Norris started not at the very beginning of his career, but early in his career. I think the first Norris was in 54 and he started in the 51 season. Um, so, you know, he. He definitely had his chances. Yeah. Um, he also was a first all-star team twice, a second all-star team twice, and he was in 11 all-star games because it's the original six era, and, you know, there were six teams. Um, Hockey Reference has him as a top 10 player only three times uh, in 52, 53, and 55, but it has him as the best defensive player by point shares in 1952 when there was no Norris Trophy. That was also his second year in the league, so that's weird. Uh, and a top five defensive player five times, that's uh, 52, 53, 55, 56, 57, and a top 10 player one last time in 65 when he was still on the Red Wings. He was also top 10 in plus and minus ones, keeping in mind, of course, that's only half his career. So, um, he was, this is not an offensive defenseman, it's important to remember, mm-hmm. um, but he was the best defenseman by points on a runner-up, the 61 Red Wings, and two other uh, semifinalists, but of course, it's original six, so that just meant he made the playoffs. However, he was a top two defenseman on two champions, the 54 and 55 Red Wings, Red Kelly, of course, being the outscoring him but we don't know the minutes right we don't know which of these guys played more um and then on also on one runner up the 63 red rings and then by points he was a top 4d on two other uh stanley cup winners the 52 red rings and the 67 leafs i said earlier that trade worked out for the leafs he was part of the infamous now infamous 67 leafs team the super super old team that was supposedly too old to win a cup yeah and lastly by points he was a uh he won um, a Stanley Cup like before he'd ever played a regular season hockey game. Uh, he came in and uh, played for the uh, Red Wings when he was um, 19, before he played in the regular season and won a Stanley Cup in 1950. So he has five cups. Um, it's really hard to know his role because of, uh, you know, we don't have minutes. And he obviously, Red Kelly would normally have been assuming more of the offensive load and would have been playing more power play time, but well, who knows? Um, you could also guess that Pronomus probably played more uh, penalty kill time, I would assume. Um, so that's it. That's the resume. It's it's not, you know, it's the five cups and the fact he played for it forever. And he was, you know, uh, you could say an iconic player with the Red Wings, right? He was, yeah. along with Kelly, he was like their two most, well, him and Gadsby, I guess, the three of them would have been the, the most famous defenseman in that franchise's history for a long time yeah um i have no idea what to do with him none it's really it's really hard to know what to do with a defensive defenseman if you didn't watch him play because you don't know how it, it 
the stats don't tell you how dominant a player yeah. like that really is. The, I think the eye test for those guys like that matter a lot. Um, you know, just to like sort of use like a modern example, like if you take away the cups and you look at like Jonathan Taves' stats, you're like, he's not a Hall of Famer. But if you watched him play, you're like, oh, he's absolutely a Hall of Famer, yeah. right? Especially so, after that, uh, after those uh, World Junior performances yeah. <laughs> too. Wow, you got to put mean, those in there. Yeah, well, like it's, it's the whole resume too. But yeah. I mean, like, you know when you see him play that he's, you know, yeah. a, a, you know, at least for a stretch, he's had lots of injuries and stuff since then. But like, uh, you know, when he was at his, you know, let's say about a six, seven year peak there, we're like, holy shit, that guy might be like, he's in the same conversation as Crosby almost for those years. Um, so, you know, it's, and maybe it's the case with Pronovo, right? Like if you watched him play, you know that he was dominant when he was out there and just, he didn't pick up a lot of stats because he was doing sort of the, the heavy lifting stuff, right? The yeah. clearing guys out of in front of the net and the puck retrieval stuff that, you know, matters so much in terms of the game, but doesn't show up on a score sheet. So, yeah. And, and we don't we don't have ice time either, right? So we don't have ice time. There, that's a killer for for a player like well, that. That's, ice time would tell you so much. Well, that's what I was gonna say is like we don't know if he was playing half an hour a game when when yeah. uh, when they won those cups, right? I have no idea. He might have yeah. been. I mean, mm-hmm. it, as far as I know, he and Kelly were the the number one pair um, for a yeah. while, uh, I believe. I could yeah. be wrong about that. Um, it, it's it's interesting that like no one back then thought to. I'm going to see how, like, that guy's on the ice a lot. I'm going to, like, sit here with a stopwatch and see how much he acts. Like, not even a reporter. Like, nothing. One of the great... thought to do it. That's one of the great problems with um, NHL, right? Is, like, I know I I bring up basketball too much, but the NBA was recording minutes played when the NBA founded. In fact, I think the, the leagues that formed the NBA were recording minutes played before they even were the NBA. So yeah, well, the thing is, the basketball that you got to sub a guy in and out like yeah. officially. Hockey yes. just you change on the fly. No, I, absolutely, you're absolutely right about that. But what it what it does do is it allows for like comparisons of eras in a better way because you can see the rate at which they scored and played, right? So you can do like things like per possession scoring and per 36 minute scoring and stuff like that, and see yes. how scoring has changed over time. Yeah. To an extent, we we can't do that as much before 1998 yeah. because we just everyone's just like well whatever minute who cares about minutes unless it's goalies goalie minutes we care about for some reason yeah We're recording goalie minutes since who knows when i don't remember when they started we'll we'll i'll look at shock when we get there and see but um they've been recording goalie minutes for forever again yeah. like you're talking about because you got to sub a guy in same thing yeah uh, well it's, it's it's interesting too like that you bring up basketball where basketball and baseball are like really conducive to the stats being the stats are the stats right yeah, like it's yeah. you you can compare eras much more easily because the stats are they're just numbers and they're all recorded because you know each you know each substitution is recorded each basket is recorded each hit each at bat yeah. like they've yeah. always all been recorded in hockey um you know and i don't think it's because they were super disorganized it's that nobody thought it mattered yeah, nobody thought it mattered. Yeah, and, I mean, they they only recorded back like before he, you know, before 1960 or 1959 rather, is they recorded goals, assists, points, and penalty minutes. And yeah, yeah they did record power play, um, but like, uh, like goals. Uh, but that's it, you know. Yeah. That's yeah, it. I mean, like, uh, I mean, basketball, I would say, probably has two distinct eras of like pre-shot clock and post-shot clock. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but then, like, hockey has, you know, they've taken out the red line. Uh, yeah. They, 
you know, they, they added uh, a second assist. They reduced the number of players on the ice. They, you know, yeah, they, they, they added the minus. forward pass. Yeah. They recorded but, plus minus. They, they recorded saves suddenly yeah. in 1980. For the yeah. And, and even just style of play has changed, right? Like mm-hmm. what, what was not a penalty from 1996 to 2004 is now, unless it's, you know, the, the cup final, it's obviously a penalty every time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so it's like, it's, it, it be, I think with contact sports, uh, it yeah. becomes hard, very, and it's the same is true with American football. It becomes really hard to compare eras because a player who excelled in like the 1970s when like guys played with broken fingers and broken legs and mm. tried to concuss each other as hard as humanly possible, yeah. that, all that stuff's illegal now. And then you look at like somebody's passing stats and you're like, oh, like, let's just, I'll just take Matthew Stafford, for example. Like, oh, he's like going to have more passing yards than like Dan Marino when he finishes. You're like, Dude, like in 1984, like those stats that he put up were preposterous. Yeah. <laughs> like football was not played like that, and he was like amazing. Yeah. And it's it took you know it took like 20. I think I think a really good sign of when something like that happens when it like takes 25 years for somebody to like break a record. You're like, oh, yeah. that was that was some serious stuff there. Yeah. Um, but like, but the style of play is so different that it's impossible to compare eras. And I feel like hockey because of the different levels of physicality that yeah. have like. You go through the 70s and it's everybody's punching each other in the face and it's fair, it's pretty high scoring. Then you get the 80s and it's all scoring and sure guys still punch each other in the face, but it's not like a hitting fighting league. And then in the 90s, it goes full trap and everybody's trying to concuss each other. Yeah. And then 2006, there's no more red line and we're trying to get speed into the game. And it's like it's re- like just those four eras and like basically in the last 50 years are so hard to compare. There's like. Four, yeah. I would say four distinct eras of like, oh, those guys all played together. You can compare them. But if you try to compare them to somebody from before, like you, there's too many factors to do it properly just using stats. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and none of this solves this problem of what to no. do with this guy, because, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, he played for a really long, a fairly long time. Right. Twelve hundred games. And, you know, I mean, he was successful. We had team yeah. success. He one year. Let me see the year he. uh he finished second to Norris. Who did he finish second to? He finished second to Doug Harvey, which is like, and he got his ass kicked because, you know, Doug Harvey was in the it's middle of his, yeah, of his, like, <laughs> dominance. Um, yeah, I mean, he really did. Like, Doug Harvey got 50, uh, almost 58% of the vote, and uh, Promo got uh, 19%. So he got his ass kicked. But uh, Doug Harvey also uh, really deserved it in comparison. Uh, Promo was a minus 15 this year that he came in second. That's weird. People didn't care. But also, they wouldn't have known that because plus minus wasn't a public stat until 68. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not like, like like you always say, Bill. I'm not about to like eject him. But like, I also, I also think the case is kind of weak. I mean. I think com- combined because he was on all four of like Gordie Howe's cup teams and also won with the 67 Leafs. There's a huge, like the old boys absolutely think this guy belongs, but yeah. uh, I also have no idea. And like, I just, I'm not going to be like, no, he doesn't like, it's not, yeah. he's not, he's not Harry Howell, right? Like he's not Harry Howell, but like, let's just say you're like a top five most important player on your team and your team wins five cups, four cups, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. you're usually going to squeak in. It might take a while because your stats aren't going to make you like a, but if they have a quiet year, like that 
that's how a guy like Kevin Lowe gets in. He has all those cups, and they're like, oh, he yeah. was like, let's arguably, let's say the the Oilers are pretty stacked, but like, let's say the sixth or seventh most important guy on that team, and like, they almost feel bad leaving him out. Yeah, I can I can see the same thing happening with Seabrook one day and be like, he was kind of, like, he was good. Fear is hoping not, but yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, I he, he was good, but he's very clearly at best the number two defenseman. And he's just like, I don't think we should put guys like that in just because they were on a successful team yeah. if they weren't the key guy. Like, you know, Taves, Kane, uh, and Keith should all be in. Uh, Hosa's already in. To me, you've already got four guys from that team. I don't think any of the other guys should be getting in, even though a couple of them are like, they were really important. Yeah. But no, this is I, a really good point. Been replaced, you you're, know? you're making a really good point because, of course, Gordy Howe, Alex Devacchio, Ted Lindsay, Sid Abel, and Red Kelly, and Terry Sawchuk, are, yep. and Bill Gadsby are all in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And well, I, I, think, I think to a certain extent, too, that Red Wings team was like really because it had Mr. Hockey on it. Yeah. In a way, it was kind of romanticized. Like they were excellent. They were a really yeah. good team. Yeah. But, you know, they sometimes you get that sort of like, don't forget how close Detroit is to Toronto. Uh, yeah. A lot of people in Toronto were Red Wings fans, especially during Gordy. Like a lot of people you know who are Wings fans who are Canadian. It's like, oh, you, like you've got to be of a certain age, or your dad yeah. was already a Wings or, fan. Or they're from London. Or they're from London. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, no, no, it's a good point because actually, if you if you if you it like you enumerate the the players from those four cups who are in the Hall of Fame. Like I didn't even think about that before, but like if we just pick one of them. Like we pick, uh, I don't know. Um, let's pick the fifty-five one. I think that's the last one. Um, it's like, how many people do you really want in the Hall of Fame from this team? We've got yeah. Gordie Howe, Delvecchio, Kelly, Lindsay, Pronovo, Sawchuk. Okay, Abel had already. Oh, and, and then uh, Keith, whoever the hell Keith Allen is, uh, <laughs> and Glenn Hall. Um, and Glenn Hall was the backup. We're going to talk about Glenn Hall in a few episodes, and he he's very deserving. That's another story. But no Sid Abel on that team. But like, still, there's like eight Hall of Famers on this team, right? Two, yeah, three, and 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 the four, way that I five. feel about that too, right? Like, let's just say eight. it was that era, and every year that the Red Wings didn't win it, it was a different team. Like one year it was the Rangers, one year it was yeah. the Leafs, one year it was the Habs, one year it was the Leafs and the Habs mostly. But yeah. And, and then there was like this Wings dynasty where they dominated the league and nobody else could touch them for well, years. Well, actually, that's not true, Bill. Oh. Because I would say, and I think we talked about this with Gordie Howe, is the one thing against Gordie Howe as the greatest winger of all time is, of course, he only won four cups, right? Yeah. And he was he played in the league for forever. Yeah. And it's because they never actually did have that dynasty you're talking about. They won. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, most of the time, the Habs or the Leafs beat them. They won four cups in uh, six years. Okay. So, yes, yeah, sort of close to a dynasty, but that's it, right? They yeah, only but, won those but, four I mean, still, like, it's one of those I'm, – I'm saying, like, a lot of times you'll be known as one of those great teams if you're, like, your success comes during uh, a five to um, – let's say a five to, like, eight-year period where you're winning a ton of cups. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then people like really fondly remember that team because you were dominant for a stretch. And then you get like a huge bump in terms of how many players from that team go in. 
Um, yeah. You know, whenever the Habs had, because I'm like, the Habs had so many, right? But like they, whenever they had like a four or a five year dynasty, there's a huge number of players from those teams in there. Um, I'm sure from, you know, that Leafs dynasty they had where they won, what was it, four in a row? Yeah. No, uh, I'm sure they have a ton of guys, yeah. Yeah, like I, I think it's specifically those teams, like the Oilers, where it's just the Islanders. You were dominant. You were something special that we don't see very often, although it used to happen way more often back in the day. It doesn't yeah, happen yeah. at all anymore. But, like, we're going to see it with the Blackhawks, although, you know, given uh, things that have come out in the news, that might that might reduce. Yeah. Somebody like Seabrook or Corey Crawford getting put in just because that'll be sort of the hot the establishment's punishment. Like, we're going to put in the ones that are obvious, but we're not going to sort of do that, even though, obviously, like, they didn't do it, so weird but like a team like that the la team will probably get a few guys but they weren't quite they weren't dominant for quite as long as chicago was yeah but Uh, two and three years is still pretty i can see i could see people later on making a case you know yeah well well, and uh and the one time they lost they lost chicago in the western conference final there was like there were like three uh sorry two two straight years yeah two straight years where uh basically that was like they played up to game six or seven in both those series might have been seven in each one i can't remember i know for sure the one la one was game seven in overtime because i remember watching that game that was like i think they played the rangers in the finals like it was obviously the cup like you're like this is it this is the cup right here like this might as well be game seven for the cup because it's happening tonight kind of thing um but like there was a stretch where sort of their dynasties overlapped a little bit um chicago the, the the three in five years is probably gonna yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. I yeah. think that's the way people vote, whether or not it's right. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I don't agree that it's right at all, yeah. but I think that's what puts a guy like a Pronovol. Yeah. Maybe because, like, Seabrook. if you look at either the 55 Cup or the 50 Cup, he was on both of those teams. Both of those teams have eight Hall of Famers on them. There you go. Eight. Yeah. And I it's like. It, I think it's going to happen with Chicago. If you, if you, LA, if you think yeah, about that, though, like, just, just to think about that. That is the yeah. top five skaters and the goalie and three more guys. That's crazy, yeah. Which is insane. It yeah, doesn't actually make any sense. That's too much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that is too much. I would agree with, like, if you're putting in, like, let's say the whole top line. Yeah. And maybe if, like, they didn't have, a, a like, a pretty dominant number two defenseman that you can put in, you put in, like, their number two center instead. Otherwise, I don't know. Like, it seems like a now, lot. Of, but, but so, like... Do you put a cap on it? Do you say you can yeah. only induct five guys? From no, no, team? I, I know, I absolutely. But like, and some of those guys made it in for other reasons, right? Yeah. Like Gordy Howe's in regardless, Ted Lindsay's in regardless, Del Vecchio's in regardless, Sawchuk's in regardless. Um, but like, it's still it it's interesting to me to look back at these original six teams, and the Habs have the same thing, right? There's Habs teams where there's like ten dudes from a cup who are you know in the hall, but yeah. like. It's just, it's worth thinking about, I think. You know, it'd be like, really, do we want to go and, like, induct eight dudes from from the cup winners when there were six teams in the league, you know? Because what precedent does that set? Because arguably, all things being equal, it's harder to win a cup now that there are 32 teams or 31, oh, whatever it is, yeah. than, than, uh, than when there were six. And so, like, when you... Like when you look now and you have a team winning the cup and maybe the two are like, like you said, uh, the Blackhawks are the exception here. But let, let's say a team that wins, you know, not that any team wins once anymore, but um, I'm trying to think of the last team that won once. Like, let's take the like the 06 Hurricanes, right? Like yep. 
okay, they have they have a few people, partly because uh, Recky played what? forever. Yeah, um, and, and and well, they added guys too, right? Like, yeah, they, they added teams. Guys. They added some like veteran Dougie Wade, and uh, like they added a whole bunch of veteran guys yeah. at that deadline. And for once, it worked because usually when you do that, it like wrecks yeah. your team chemistry or whatever. But for them, it worked. Um, there's also uh, St. Louis. Oh, St. Louis. Too, there right? you go, St. Louis. So like, like are we going to like induct go one dude? We're going to induct Ryan O'Reilly probably, right? Oh, Pete Frangelo's probably going to go in too. Oh yeah, pe- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Two guys, and like. That's fine. I'm good with two guys. I think two guys is reasonable. But if you go back and look at the original six era and you're inducting eight guys, yeah. it's like, well, th- wait a minute, which was harder. And I, I get it. Like there's a form, there's a historical value. And there's also like a, you know, formative, like they didn't know first of all, the league was going to expand necessarily as much as it did. But like, there's also a, like you were here first and I get that. But I also think it's kind of absurd to have multiple cup winners in the past that had guys who were not first line um uh, forwards or first pair defensemen yeah on multiple cup teams in the hall of fame and i don't because like we talked about with with Bronovo, um because we don't have vice time we don't know for sure but like my skepticism and i i don't really know that it's about him specifically is that like i don't want the top three defensemen from the these four Red Wings teams in the Hall of Fame, top two, maybe, yeah, but not the top three, you know, yeah, and not the or not the top four skaters, like, yeah. like it's, don't it's, put it's all like these people in. A, a really good example would be that Ducks team, right? That was like they probably, if if they hadn't sort of all been assembled and then broken yeah. up almost immediately, they might have won a couple more cups. Yeah, but like you had Niedermeyer and Pronger on the same team. Those yeah. guys are slam dunk, first ballot, like incredible yeah. Hall of Famers. And then a really important part of that team was Beauchemin, right? Because yeah. he could yeah. play with either one of those. And because Pronger and <laughs> like basically you only really needed one other defenseman who was competent to like yeah. play three quarters to five sixths of the game. But like, should Beauchemin be in the Hall of Fame? Like he's really important. There's no question that he was instant like maybe they don't win that cup without him because then Pronger and Niedermeyer have to play so much that they become not as yeah. effective. But I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Even I can tell he, you right now. Like, Austin, we all know how important he was to that team. Yeah, I would say he's absolutely super important, but also I saw him as an attempt to be the number one option in Toronto. Yes. And it didn't work. No, and absolutely like, not. And there's like, you know, numerous, and I don't know anything about Pronovo because I was, you know, my parents weren't married when he retired. Um, <laughs> but like, I, you know, I don't know what role he had and I would love to know what role he had, but like, yeah. I, you know, one of the things I would say is that there have been, at least with the Leafs, there have been multiple times where the Leafs have gone out and acquired this uh, specifically in the air, the, the, uh, fallow period when we never made the playoffs where they went out and acquired a guy who was a really effective number two or number three and tried to make him a number one. And it never works. And it didn't work. No, and, it never and those was. guys, I don't want those guys in the Hall of Fame, generally speaking, because like, you know, it's I, I and this is no this is not a criticism of them. That's you still had an incredible career if you're a great number two defense. Right. Yeah. Dude, but you're like, like one of the you know, you're one yeah, of the let's say 100 best people in the, on the planet at this. <laughs> yeah. But you shouldn't you shouldn't go to the Hall of Fame, probably unless Unless it's like a, and, and I don't know if this is appropriate, but unless it's like a Brian Rafalski situation where you're like always the number two guy to like an all timer. Yeah. And 
And then maybe, maybe there's a case because like, we'll never know. Um, but like, you know, or like you look at the Habs guys, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, there was never really, um, like with Savard, for example, where there was that one playoff where he really, really dominated, but otherwise like he was never really the number one option, at least offensively for defense. But like you sort of, you can imagine a world in which he's, because, partly because of his consummate, where he's the most important defenseman on team, even though he's playing with LaPointe and Robinson. Yeah, uh, it. sometimes you, you don't do that because that's not what's required of you. Yeah. What needs to be done to it, win, it, right? Like, it, so. makes it, it makes it a little more common, uh, complicated. And we don't know with Pronovo whether, like, like is Kelly's success in part because of Pronovo's existence or or vice versa? If, if yeah. like, he played with Gadsby, I honestly, I assumed Pronovo Kelly play together, but it might have been Pronovo and Gatsby. Yeah, well, there there have been a number of examples of this, like recently, right? Like um, most people, unless you're a big Habs follower, don't know this, but like that uh, everybody, like, well, you would know this because if you if you still follow the Leafs, that like they got Commissaric, right? And everybody thought he was going to be like amazing on the Leafs, yeah. and he was pretty much useless. And it's like, yeah, you took him away from Markov, Markov, Markov yeah, yeah. an incredible defenseman. Yeah. So when you pair him with a great defenseman, his the other guy not only helps him like it's weird but like I, I i guess you almost have to have played played defense but y- your game when you play with a really good defense partner gets better because you ba- you can base your positioning off them they'll help you out when you're in trouble um you, you've got like an outlet pass where you're like if i can just get him the puck we'll be out of trouble here because he's so good and all i have to do is be smart like i don't even have to be a good hockey player I just have to yeah. be smart enough to know when to give him the puck or know like basically listen to him and do what I'm supposed to do and 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 there's a certain chemistry with D partners and with offensive lines when you get great trios and stuff where it just clicks for whatever reason but if you take away the less skilled player from the great player and you think they're the great player and you put them like with somebody else who's not very good or like isn't as good as them well then then the wheels start to come off right because they you you, you lose And, and sometimes just and and confidence right like yeah. unfortunately uh you know got knocked out in a fight and he was he, he had a really hard time after that he was still crazy enough to fight lucic again but like <laughs> it's like dude you really doing that again like yeah. like wow you're, no, he was a hard. he was an absolute disaster in Toronto. Yeah. Um, he's a gamer like he tried really hard yeah but just no, he, was he, he just disaster. wasn't that good and yeah. he needed that like elite d partner to partner with to make him you know, yeah. to sort of like be the muscle and be the tough guy to clear the front of the net. There's a lot of cases like that, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that guy himself is elite, and sometimes they're not. Like Scott Stevens to Niedermeyer, really like, you know, he did a lot of the dirty stuff, so Niedermeyer yeah. could just skate around and, and do his thing. And yeah. But, you know, Scott Stevens was elite as well. Sometimes it's like you're just a tough guy in the right place at the right time, and your yeah. partner is really the, the one that should be in the Hall of Fame, and you're, you're in the Hall of Good. Oh, it's fine. It's just fine. You're still like an awesome defenseman, but if if you don't have that partner who can do exceptional things with you, you start to look. uh, A good example from Ottawa too, Mark Mathot when he was playing with uh, Carlson. Yeah, yeah. For a while, people were like, "Man, Mathot's good," and it's like, yeah. He he learned how to play with Carlson and to do the stuff Carlson can't do, like clear the front of the net, stand up for a teammate, all that stuff. Super valuable, but it's because he's playing with Carlson, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. So I have no segue to our next player because, uh, you know, we're talking about defenseman pairings. 
And actually, I said earlier he was a left wing. He was a right wing. My apologies. But we're talking now about uh, Andy Bathgate. Um, who, who you could say. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to ignore that. Uh, uh, who you could say prior to like Rod Gilbert, um, you know, and, and Jean Martel and Brad Park was arguably. And, and, sorry. One of the greatest Rangers of all time, despite only playing half his career for them, or two thirds, I guess. Isn't um, that typical of the Rangers, though? Yeah, um, <laughs> Bill. I always, I always start saying these things, and then I f- remember Bill Cook, and I'm like, oh wait a minute, Bill Cook's probably the greatest Ranger of all time. But that's another story. Um, anyway, uh, so he played a very similar uh, length of time to. Um, Funnily enough, these guys all like really, really overlapped. Their careers really overlapped, and they all retired roughly the exact same time. Uh, Bathgate and Plant retired the same season, and uh, Prono two years later. And it took, for some reason, it took them until '78, even though at least one of them was an absolute like immediate Hall of Famer. But anyway, um, so when he retired, or sorry, not '70, uh, not the exact same year. He retired one year before Plant. But anyway, when Bathgate retired. He was 11th all-time in goals, uh, fourth all-time in assists behind only uh, Gordie Howe, Alex DeVacchio, and Jean Beliveau. So that is illustrious company. And sixth all-time in points. However, it's worth noting he was minus 60. Now, it is also worth noting um, that he, uh, you know, this first... Slightly less than the first half of his career, no uh, plus-minus recording happened. Now, he was on the Rangers, so it's possible that this wouldn't have helped him. Um, and the Rangers, because the Rangers in the 50s were, of course, not great. But he was, of course, at his best uh, during those years. Like, the he when he won his heart, which we're going to talk about in a bit, um, you know, he, he plus-minus was not recorded. So, like, we definitely don't know if it's fair to say he's a minus 60. He might have been a zero. He might have been a plus five. Who knows, right? Like, we don't know. Um, so he was 19th all-time in games played. He was 23rd all-time in point shares. Keep in mind, this is guy, even though he's a right wing, he's more of a passer. He has basically double the number of assists as he does point uh, goals. So, like, the fact that he's 23rd all-time in point shares is not really that uh, – you know, indicative of his success. He was 12th all-time in offensive point shares when he retired, despite being more of a passer. Per game, he was 7th all-time in assists per game when he retired, which is really high, and 12th all-time in points per game. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Of the 16 skaters to play between, uh, uh, playing at least, sorry, 1,066 games and 13 modern seasons between 1952 and 1971, he is 4th in goals. Fourth in goals per game, fourth in assists, third in assists per game, fifth in points, third in points per game, 13th in plus minus, despite being minus 60. Fifth in offensive point shares, last in defensive point shares among forwards, but that's the minus. Sixth in point shares, and second last in games played. So this is a guy who was a top five forward of his era. I think it's safe to say. You know, didn't play every game for sure. There were, there were a bunch of seasons where he played every game, but he also missed a lot of time once he left the Rangers. Uh, he only played one, I think, two full seasons after he uh, left the Rangers. So um, he definitely had some injury problems in the second half of his career. His 82-game uh, average is 75 points minus 5. So that may not sound great, but 80, uh, a, 
a point per game or barely an under a point per game uh, 82 game average in the original six era is actually pretty good as you can tell by the fact that he was uh, 12th all time in points per game uh um his three-year peak of 1956 to 59 is an is a 70 game average of 83 points so that's obviously much better than a point per game now playoffs um he he obviously had less playoff success because you know rangers um (laughs) 21 goals 14 assists really weirdly his his goal to assist ratio reversed itself in the playoffs Hmm. 35 points minus seven in 54 games so way way below point per game average it's worth noting once again a the rangers and b in the original six in particular though this was less true when bathgate played playoff scoring was really low you know it was right it was a regular occurrence for guys to not score a point per the best score in the playoffs in certain seasons to not score a point per game so keep that in mind because he was 12th all-time in playoff points game in his retirement, despite uh, having 35 points in 54 games. So that goes to show you, right? Shows yeah. Um, of the 110 skaters to play in at least 41 playoff games between 52 and 71, he's 22nd in playoff goals, but 11th in goals per game, 64th in playoff assists, um, 58th in assists per game. He doesn't qualify for that leaderboard. He just didn't score enough. Uh, 41st in playoff points, 27th in playoff points per game. Uh, again, he doesn't require uh, qualify for the leaderboard. 88th in plus minus. I didn't write down where he stands in games, um, but I would say that uh, he was on the Rangers and he only played in 54 playoff games in 18 years. So that tells you a lot. 19 years? 19 years. Um, anyway, um, sorry, I'm just, I realized that I left out some stuff. So I'm writing myself a note uh to like deal with that when we put it up on the blog because you know i'm a completist um (laughs) so uh adjustment for era uh the of course the adjustment helps him out a lot it bumps him up to 85 points uh per 82 games so makes him a point per game player and that's not a surprise this is the hockey reference adjustment because of course they like um original six players in that sense he is not in the top 25 in terms of uh, points per game or, or per game numbers, rather. But if you raise the qualifier to 820 games or 10 modern seasons, he's 19th all-time in adjusted assists per game, which is pretty damn high. Uh, versus X really likes him, which is, of course, very typical. The Versus X adjustment loves uh, people who played in a 16 league because of the nature of the calculation. Um, and uh, he is not in the top 25. However, you raise that qualifier again to 820 games. That's 10 seasons. He is 23rd all-time in versus X goals per game, 6th all-time in versus X assists per game, and 12th all-time in uh, versus X points per game. So that is quite impressive. He was traded a bunch after he left the Rangers. Uh, well, three times, and then some other stuff. So firstly, uh, he was traded... Um, uh, into the NHL from uh, a minor league team, the Cleveland team, because that was how it worked back then, uh, with Vic Howe. I don't know who that is, but I don't think he's related to Gordy, but maybe he is. For people named Eric Pogue and Glenn Sonmore, whoever the hell those people are. Uh, they would be minor leaguers. That's what happened back then. I'm actually going to see if Vic Howe is related to Gordy. Oh, he's Gordy Howe's brother. Okay. I've never heard of him. Um, then... Uh, 
he was uh, traded at age 31 from the Rangers with Don McKenney to the Maple Leafs for Arnie Brown, Bill Collins, Dick Duff, Bob Nevin, and Rod Zaling. Um, when we did our uh, our top worst Maple Leafs trades of all time, we made this number five, but with a giant asterisk because from a regular season perspective, it was one of the worst Leafs trades of all time. However, um, big important uh, asterisk being that uh, Bathgate won a cup in Toronto. So yeah. I guess you don't, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Um, and then of course we have the, uh, the uh, Marcel Pronovo trade uh, a year later. He was, Bathgate was such a success in Toronto that literally a year later they traded him for Pronovo. And then, of course, <laughs> Pronovo won a cup, too. Um, and then he was left unprotected in an expansion draft at age 35 um, by the Red Wings. Uh, and so, of course, made his way to the Penguins. And then a uh, um, he was loaned by the Penguins to a minor league team uh, un- unceremoniously. Um, twice, um, basically, uh, at age 36. And then it's worth noting, uh, that after a couple years of being retired, he briefly had a, a WHA comeback year. Um, and calling it a year is not fair. He was 42. He played in 11 games. He somehow had seven points in those 11 games for the, um, who are they? The, uh, Vancouver Blazers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, you know, apparently, despite being uh, scoring 11, uh, sorry, seven points in 11 games, he didn't want to keep doing it. And so he retired again. Um, but, you know, he, we're talking about a very, very small sample there. Yeah. So his accomplishments, he won the heart in 1959. In our heart series, we determined that it should have been either Dickie Moore or Jean Belva who won that heart. Um, but you know, he won the heart, right? So voters don't care what we think. They, they care what actually happened. He was also notably top five in heart voting further three times. And in 58, when he finished second to Gordie Howe, um, he actually outscored Gordie Howe by a point. Wow. Um, but, uh, Gordie Howe had more goals. Um, Gordie Howe was Gordie Howe. And, uh, Point share wise, they're actually identical uh, that year. Um, and then the other year when he finishes top three, he finished behind Howe and Bellowboat. So, you know, makes sense that he lost those ones. Um, so we don't necessarily think he deserved a heart ever. He, we never named him the best player in the league when we did our heart series, but he was still among the best players in the yeah. He was the first all-star team twice. He made a second all-star team twice as well. Only eight all-star game appearances, unlike Pronovo, but like, you know, it's a higher competition position, you'd say, arguably, in some ways. Um, he was a top 10 player by point share six times in 57, 58, 59, 61, 62, 63. So there's this, like, seven-year period where he was, or six or seven-year period where he was very good. Um, and keep in mind, this is a guy who scored a passed more than he scored goals usually though he did score 40 goals once the year he won the heart it was a top 10 offensive player or sorry top five offensive player seven times from 57 to 63 um and he was a top 10 uh offensive player nine times um sorry i just realized i'm missing a number there uh 
anyway. Um, anyway, um, so uh, he uh, he was top five in goals three times. He was top five in goals three games three times. He scored 40 goals once. He was one of only 20 players ever to do that. Notably, he had 20 goals nine times. So he was one of only 15 players to do that at his retirement. He led the league in assists twice. Um, and he was top five nine times, which is the fourth most all time behind only Gordy Howe, Wayne Gretzky, and Adam Oates, which is pretty damn impressive. Mm-hmm. He led the league in assists per game once. He also was top five eight times, which is the ninth most ever, and top ten ten times, tenth most ever. Um, he uh, he was one of only three players ever to have fifty assists three times at his retirement. Gordy Howe and John Beliveau being the others, and he was one of only four players ever to have 40 assists nine times at his retirement. Uh, Gordy Howe, John Beliveau, Stan Makita. So, uh, you know, um, pretty Pretty good company. Pretty pretty (laughs) elite company, yeah. Um, He led the league in points once, uh, which is fine, but he was top five nine times, which is the third most ever behind only Gordy Howe and Wayne Gretzky. Wow. Which is like... Now he's tied with four other players for that, but still, um, that is uh, something. Yeah. Put it mildly. Um, he led the league in points per game once. He was one of only six players ever at his retirement to have 80 points three times. More importantly, he was one of only five players ever at his retirement to have 70 points eight times. And those other players are Gordy Howe, Stan Makita, Jean Beliveau, and Bobby Hull. So again, yeah. illustrious company. Yeah. Uh, his versus X peak, his best seven seasons, puts him at 39th all-time in goals, 12th all-time in assists, 16th all-time in points. Best 10 uh, seasons, it's even better, 36th all-time in goals, 10th all-time in assists, and 13th all-time in points. So among the top 15 players, if you go by assists and points, ever. Um, he was the only... Uh, Playoff success, individual playoff success he had is on the uh, 58 Rangers, who didn't go anywhere. Um, he, he was their best player. His playoffs numbers are not good. Uh, generally speaking, he, he, rarely, uh, he rarely performed well. Um, he, was, uh, he co-led the playoffs and goals in, uh, on the 66 Red Wings, but also was outscored by uh, four other players on his team in total points. And if I'm not mistaken, if I look at the 66 Red Wings, it was all power play goals. Okay. He didn't have a single even strength goal. So that, you know, doesn't look great. Um, He did, of course, win a cup on the 64 Leafs, but he, you know, had him, uh, he had a, he was not uh, on the top line. You know, he, he was brought in essentially as, as probably brought in to be a star, but by that point, he was declining slightly, so he was really a, a, a bit more of a you know middle six player. So, arguably one of the best, um, one of the best regular like regular season players ever. Yeah. And a poor playoff performer. He's a little a little bit like Dion, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, or maybe like Joe Thornton's gonna be. Yeah, yeah, um, Joe Thornton. Yeah, especially given the passing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, I, um, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised by a lot of his stats and how like the only names above him are like pretty ridiculous. Top five nine times in points is like, I mean, yeah. it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That's that's it's a mark of like remarkable consistency. Um, and I, I know, you know, I, I, I can 
The only reason I would think to not put him in um, would be like if you're like, no, he never did anything important in the playoffs. And like, yeah. then you're just like, I don't care if the guys get, you'd have to have that attitude of like, if there's no playoff success, yeah. I don't want them in. Um, so let me just say, let me just stop you there for a second and mention that. So on the 64 Leafs that won the cup, um, he he had nine points. He was outscored by Mohavlic, Armstrong, Kelly, Don McKenney, and had the same number of points as Dave Keon, but Dave Keon was plus five and Bathgate was minus four. So that's a difference of nine goals. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, he... Uh, he didn't have a great playoff that one year that won the cup. He really yeah. didn't. Well, I, I feel like, too, you know, when he was in his prime, and you're like, you know, he never did anything in the playoffs. But like, well, he was on the Rangers. He was on the Rangers. Yeah, and it's important. If he, was, if he was the Rangers' best player, the other teams must have been keying in on him something fierce, right? 100%. <laughs> so, 100% in the 50s, he was the Rangers' best player. There's no yeah. doubt about that, right? Yeah. There's no so, doubt. And yeah. So, like, if he's elite but he's like their only elite player. Like they they just get cracked down on and especially back in those days too. Like, so if we look at like the year he won his heart on the Rangers in 59, when I believe they didn't make the playoffs, which is one reason we didn't want him to win the heart. Yeah. He had 88 points. How, how many points do you think between him and the next highest scoring player on that team? Oh, it's gotta be a lot. I'm going to say 25. Bill by a lottery took it. Because you are correct. It was 25 <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Red Sullivan had 63. Man. And presumably he was his center. <laughs> that or Camille Henry, Henri, I guess Camille Henry, uh, who had 58 points, so 30 behind him. One of those two guys was his center. But it's year. kind of sounding like uh, like the old Florida Panthers teams when Burray was on there and he like yeah. scored his closest teammate by like 40 something points i think in (laughs) in uh in 62 (laughs) in 62 bathgate co-led the league in points how many points do you think he was ahead of his next highest scoring player 34 24 i'm sorry to say you didn't get it right i got greedy greedy. (laughs) but the fact being that once again that guy was presumably playing on his wing is as well because it was Dean Prentice and he was a left Prentice was a left winger so they're on the same line I mean the fact is I think the Rangers thing is really really important much like Dion you know um, or Beret like he had no help you can say well he didn't perform well in the playoffs but Jesus Christ he was he was uh, outscoring in a 70 game league. He was outscoring his teammates by 20 points, 25 points yeah. at his best. Yeah. So, yeah, to, to, to me, it's like uh, it, it, it's unfair when you know a player is like an elite player and you criticize them for the playoff thing. You're like, they don't, they don't have any help. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, and people might argue, you know, with like a guy like Thornton, like, oh, those Sharks teams were pretty good. They just never got it done, blah, blah, blah. But it's like. The, the three seasons, Bathgate scored 80 points. He was ahead of his teammates on each of those teams by at least 21. Wow. Yeah. Which like that's like nuts. Yeah. You're a superstar playing with like some good players, you know, and yeah. then the, it's a six team league. So the other teams like have a guy like Gordy Howe. Yeah. A guy like Ted Lindsay and a guy like like they've got more guys, you know. Yeah. So it's I I I feel like 
the Rangers haven't had that many great players in their history. But some of the guys who were there where you're like, ah, I don't know if he was that good. Be like, look at what he was surrounded with, dude. Like, he did not. Like, there was not a lot of talent surrounding him. So if he was able to do that pretty much on his own, it's more, it may be more impressive. Maybe there should be like a bump for playing for yeah. bad teams when you're still able to put up elite levels of points. So I am going through his best seasons, and I'm trying to find a year in which he didn't outscore his teammates by at least 21 points. Oh, found one. 1960. He outscored his best teammate by 18. <laughs> I was going to say 19. It's got to be close to 20. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that took me, that took me, that's his, uh, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth best season. So he had zero help. Yeah. I think it's safe to say. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's one year he's outscored his teammates by 15, but that's his ninth best season. So like, this is a guy who, in those nine years in which he was top five in points, he had zero help. And honestly, that makes me think he's a walk. Like, absolutely. Like, it's not his fault that he found his way. You know, he's from Canada. It's not. He's from Manitoba and then played in Ontario in um, in the uh, whatever the OHL was called back in the 40s. So it's not his fault that he ended up on this piece of shit franchise. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I mean, put him on the put him on the Red Wings in the fifties, or the Habs in the fifties, or the Leafs in the fifties, and you know, we look at his career very differently. I think. So. Yeah, I uh, I I was pleasantly surprised by the stats that I heard. Uh, it's funny because I was all on board with removing his heart when we were having that heart uh, yeah. series, but now I'm like, yeah, this guy was pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I I think my I was expecting to be on the fence, and I'm like, no, he he belongs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm good. All right, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, up next, speaking of people who belong, we have uh Jacques Plante, who played from 1952 to 1965, and again from 1968 to 1972. He played a total of 18 seasons, 13 as a starter, three as what we would call the one A, and two were really not sure of it. Um, when he retired, he was ninth all-time in wins. Uh, sorry, he is currently ninth all-time in wins. My mistake. Uh, he was second all-time to Sashuk when he retired. That makes more sense. He is currently fifth all-time, um, or he was, sorry, fifth all-time in losses at his second retirement behind only Sashuk, Worsley, Lumley, and Hall. Um, he is currently sixth all-time in ties, which makes sense because there are no more ties. Um and he was third at his second retirement, which uh, behind only Sawchuck and Hall. Um, he is fifth all-time in shutouts, behind only Broder, Sawchuck, Hainsworth, and Hall. And he was fourth at his retirement. Broder is the only person who has passed him in that. He was. Uh, he is currently 16th all-time in point shares, the seventh goalie all-time in in goalie point shares and the third goalie at his retirement by home behind only Terry Sawchuk and Glenn Hall. Um, his two nine, four, eight goals saved above average was first all time in a second retirement. Keep in mind that was not available the entire time he played the first three seasons of his career. That is not a stat that existed. Well, it didn't exist at all, but like could be calculated. Um, so, and he's, he's six all time in that right now. 
he is he was third all time in minutes played at his retirement behind only Sawchuck and Hall, and uh, uh, he's 13th all time now. Same thing with games, third all time behind Sawchuck and Hall, 14th all time now. His 2.38 GAA was 11th all time in his retirement, is now 18th because of course scoring went back down again in the 21st century. If we were talking about him 20 years ago, he would be higher. Um, his uh, 920 save percentage, which covers his entire career, but but the first 82 games of it, was second all-time at his retirement. Second, behind only Johnny Bauer. Of course, keep in mind, they had just started recording it. It is still seventh all-time. Wow. Of the 22 goalies playing at least 205 games between 52 and 73, he's first in wins, fourth in losses, third in ties, Fourth or 19th in goals against, depending on how you rate it, so I'm 19th. Um, third in save percentage, second in GAA, third in saves, third in shots against, first in goal saved above average by an incredible whopping 55. If you don't know that stat, 55 is like an all-time season uh, in terms of that stat. Second in shutouts, second in minutes, second in games. So the first or second best goalie of his era, um, I believe the one ahead of him in that in some of those categories, it, it might be Glenn Hall. Uh, it might be Sawchuk. I'm not sure. One of those two. Um, but, of course, in the save percentage thing, it would be uh, Sawchuk anyway. Uh, his season average is 24, 14, and 8. Uh, comfortable, well above 500. Five shutouts at 9.65 point shares. If we try to make that an 82-game average, it's 43, 24, and 14, which... Makes it clear as to what his record was. Eight shutouts and 17 point shares. Of course, he never played that many games because they didn't exist. His three-year peak of 1968 to 1971 is a 76-game average. Obviously, he didn't play 76 games of 42, 22, and 13. 13 shutouts, um, 193 GAA, which is extremely impressive, a 936 save percentage, a 66.3 goal saved above average, which is incredible, and 18.8 goals per game, or sorry, goalie point shares. Which, of course, none of the things are real because he would not have played those many games. But, um, you know, it still sort of emphasizes how good he was at his best. Yeah. Uh, playoffs. Uh, he was uh, first in wins uh, at his second retirement by 10. Uh, he is now 10th all time. He was fifth all-time in playoff losses at his second retirement. Of course, he played a lot in playoffs because Habs, um, and then later uh, Blues and, and Leafs. Um, he was uh, first all-time in playoff shutouts at his retirement. He's now tied for sixth. He was tenth all-time in his second retirement for uh, in terms of goals against average. Uh, of course, you know the the 21st century has seen a lot of crazy goals against averages in the playoffs. So you know. It's gone. He's 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 seen his uh, ranking drop, but you know, um, it's a little bit like there's a little bit of uh you know, sort of like the the crazy GAAs of the of the early days of hockey and the playoffs have come back a little bit. Um, he was second all time in playoff save percentages of retirement behind only Johnny Bauer. He is now 16th. He is second all time behind only uh, Patrick Waugh. Uh, in terms of playoff goals saved above average with 85, it's worth noting that he was first at his retirement by nearly double the next player. So 
by at least goal save above average. He was the best playoff goalie of all time uh, when he retired. Now, that requires um, save percentage and shots. So, of course, that excludes all the crazy 20s goalies. You know, um, adjustment for era, he is, uh, at least according to hockey reference, he is sixth all time in an adjusted uh, GAA. He is eighth all time in adjusted save percentage. Um, he is sixth all time in something called goals versus average, which is just uh, the number of goals uh, saved compared to a uh, hypothetical average NHL goaltender. And he is seventh all time in goals versus threshold, which is the number of goals saved compared to a hypothetical shitty NHL goaltender. <laughs> um, he, of course, uh, was traded multiple times at the end of his career. Um, so first off, he was traded at 35 with Phil Goyette, Don Marshall, and Don Marshall to the Rangers for uh, Dave Ballin, Leon Rochefort, Le- Len Ronson, and Gump Worsley. We talked about that trade before in the Gump Worsley episode, yeah. um, where they decided to go for a slightly younger player in Gump Worsley, and it actually worked out for the Habs. <laughs> um, and then um, some shit happened where he retired, um, but then he... Uh, the Rangers did him a solid. He wanted to come back, and uh, they left him unprotected so that he could uh, return to the NHL. And he was, of course, claimed um, by the Blues. And then two years after that happened, and he was 39 when that happened, by the way. Two years after that, he was traded to the Leafs in what we called the 41st, or sorry, the 24th best. Um, sorry, it was 41 when this happened. We hold it the 24th best, greatest, uh, best, greatest Maple Leafs trade of all time because they paid cash for him and he was phenomenal for them, despite the fact the Leafs weren't that good. And then three years later, he was traded with a third rounder who became Don Gibson to the Bruins for a first rounder who became Ian Turnbull um, and future considerations, which also worked out for the Leafs because, of course, Ian Turnbull was a major player for that one Leafs team that was really good in the late 70s. Um, so the Leafs really, really did very well in the Jacques Plon experience. They got a good goalie for three years, and then they traded him for a top two defenseman. Um, so that worked. Uh, and then, because Jacques Plon could never stop playing hockey, um, he had a, <laughs> uh, WHL, uh, a WHA rather comeback a couple of years later, where he uh, went 15 and 14 and one um, with a. GAA of 332. Keep in mind, this is uh, the WHA and one shutout. So that's his overall career. Um, now we get to a rather long section. Uh, so he won the heart in 1962. And we, of course, in our in our uh, series, despite me generally being against goalies winning heart trophies, uh we affirm that because, of course, he played like every minute of that season and was the best goalie in the league by every metric. So we decided that he'd or like the only story he 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 didn't lead the league in shutouts, but he led the league in wins, ties, shots against, saves, save percentage, GAA, minutes, uh, goal saved above average. You know, everything. Yeah. Except for shutouts. The only thing he and losses he didn't lead the league in losses, which you don't want to lead the league in losses. So, um, so we we affirmed it. He was top five in heart voting one other time, weirdly, 
1971 for the Leafs, as I mentioned, when he had he had a bounce back. Um, he won six Vesnas, seven sorry seven Vesnas, which is the most ever. But keep in mind, it was the Jennings uh, at the time, so yeah. it's just the lowest GAA in the league, or sorry, lowest, not even lowest GAA, lowest goals against. Um, so it's not the same as winning seven Vesnas since 1981, but still, it is the most ever. You can't take that away from him. He was also top five in Calder voting in his uh, third season because he barely played in his first two, which is why, you know, we said that there's two years there during his career when he was not a starter or 1A. He was weirdly only a first all-star team twice on the first all-star team twice, which is kind of insane given that he won seven Vesnas. That's weird. Yeah. Make any sense. Um, He was a second... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Third, three times. I screwed that up. Three times. Uh, my apologies. And then he was on uh, four. Um, he was on the second team four times. So end of season seven times, which is pretty good. He was the best player by point shares four times in 56, 58, 59, 62, and that's tied fifth all time behind only Gretzky, Bill Dernan, um, Glenn Hall, and Bobby Orr. He was top five eight times in 55, 57, 60, and 63 as well, and that's tied six all time, and he was top 10 nine times, so add 71 to that. He was the best goalie um, by point shares four times in 56, 58, 59, and 62, and that's tied sixth most all time. He was top five 10 times, so add 55, 57, 60, 61, 63, and 71, and that's tied eighth most all time, and he was top 10 a remarkable 16 times. And for some reason, that doesn't, I didn't note um, him. It's weird. It seems like maybe, I'm just going to check to see if that's some kind of record, because it feels like it should be. But let me see. Top 10, 16 times in goalie point shares. Yeah, second most all time. Behind only Sawchuck. So. Man. Yeah. Um, so he led the league in wins five times, and that's tied third most all time behind only Broder and Clint Benedict. He was top five 11 times, tied fourth most all time behind only Sawchuck, Broder, and Hall. And he's top 10. He was top 10 in wins 17 times, which is tied second behind only Sawchuck. His single season win totals um, when he retired, he was one of only two goalies ever to have 40 wins three times. Sawchuk being the other one, same thing with 35 wins. He was one of only two goalies ever to have four, uh, sorry, 35 wins four times. Um, he's now one of only seven goalies through the 40 and one of only 17 goalies through the 35. So obviously, you know, longer season, it's easier to have more of that. He led the league in shutouts four times, which is tied for the fourth most ever behind only Benedict Hall and Broder. And he was top five 13 signs, which is tied the most all time uh, with Esposito and Hall, which is pretty good company. Um, he was top 10 in shutouts 17 times, which is the second most ever behind only Terry Sasha. Wow. He had five shutouts nine times, and he's one of six only six goalies ever. And as retirement, only two other goalies ever had done that, and those were Sasha and Glenn Hall. He led this league in shots once, shots against rather once. He was top five eight times, though, tied third most all time uh, behind Esposito and Hall. And he's top 10 11 times in shots against, which is the fourth most all time behind Hall, Sarchuk, and Esposito. 
He led the league in saves once. That makes sense. He was top five nine times, uh, and that's only behind Esposito and Hall. He's top 10 12 times in saves behind only Hall and Esposito again. Um, it's the same names over and over. Right? Uh, he led the league in save percentage five times, which is the third most ever behind only Johnny Bauer and the nominator. Uh, it was top five 11 times in save percentage, tied second most all time behind Glenn Hall, and he's top 10 15 times tied most all time with Glenn Hall and Patrick Walker. His 940. He had 940 twice. He's the only goalie in history to have a save percentage of 940 in two separate NHL seasons. He had 933 times, which uh, he's one of only three goalies ever, and Hashik and Bauer are the only two ahead of him. Um, he had a 925 four times, and one of only six goalies ever. At his retirement, he was one of only three, and those were Bauer and Hall. He had a 927 times, only one of five goalies ever, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, Roberto Luongo, Dominic Hasek, and Glenn Hall. And of course, only one of those guys had existed when, um, had played when Plant retired. He led the league in GAA eight times, which is the most ever in history. He was top five 12 times, which is only second to Glenn Hall. He was top 10 16 times, which is only second to Terry Sajan. He had a uh, 1.9 GAA, uh, under 1.9 GAA twice, and he's one of only nine goalies ever. And the only goalie, notably the only goalie since the beginning of the original six era. Every other goalie who did what Jacques Plante did played prior to 1943. Hmm. So that's impressive. He had a two or under um, four times, one of only five goalies ever. Sawchuk, Tiny Thompson, Alec Connell, and Clint Benedict, and notably only one of those guys played post-1943, and that's Terry Sawchuk. He had a 2.1 and under five times, one of only 11 goalies ever. He had a 2.25 and under nine times, one of only three goalies ever. Hashik Roder uh, being the only two other people who have done that, and of course they did that in the um, dead puck era. And, you know, uh, he was literally the only goalie to have done it when he retired. And a 2.5 and under 11 times, one of only five goalies ever, Roder, Hashik, Lundqvist, and Luongo. And, of course, that means was the only goalie ever to do it when he retired. He led the league in goals saved above average six times. That is the only, he's the only goalie to do this. He's top five nine times, which is six most of all time, top 10 12 times. Only uh, Waugh, Hall, and Esposito have done that. He, at a plus 50 once, he's one of only eight goalies ever and only one of two goalies at his second retirement, uh, Ken Dryden being the other one. He was a plus 45 four times. Uh, the only other goalies to have done this are Hashik, Esposito, Dryden, and Wah. And, of course, that means that, uh, well, it doesn't, of course, because Dryden is on the list, but Plant was the only goalie to have done that when he retired. Plus 25 times, one of only 13 goalies ever, one of only three at his retirement, uh, Glenn Hall and Johnny <coughs> Excuse me, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Plus 15 eight times, one of only eight goalies ever, and one of only three at his retirement, How, Hall and Bauer being the, the two then. He led the league in minutes once, which isn't that much, but he was top five nine times, tied the eighth most ever, and top ten, 13 times, tied seventh most ever. At his retirement, he was one of only six goalies to have played in 4,000 minutes three times. He obviously didn't accomplish anything in the WJ. Whew. So <laughs> that brings us to that other thing, the other area of success he had, 
in which he won six Stanley Cups. He was probably the best player on the 60 Canadians, in which he tied his his own single-season playoff record and wins. He didn't lose a single game. He set the single playoff record and save percentage. He led the playoffs in GAA and shutouts, and he played every minute, I believe. Well, every game, anyway. So that sounds like he was probably the best player. In that particular year, who was the best Habs forward? Let's look it up. This is 60 we're talking about. Um, the best Habs forward. He also had a 950 save percentage, so I think it stands to reason. Um, so Henri Richard had 12 points in eight games, and so did Boom Boom Jeffrey Young. So um, let's give this to Blanc because he had a 950 save percentage. Jesus. Uh, in 57. He tied his single season, a single playoff record in wins. He led playoff, he led the playoffs in games played, saves, save percentage, GAA, and minutes, and he played every game. Um, let's look again at who uh, who was the best forward or skater rather for the '57 Habs. Um, it was uh, Joffrey Allen with 18 points in in 10 games. That's pretty incredible. Um, yeah. So I that's a debate there. In um, he also, uh, he was arguably the best player on the 1970 Blues, uh, who of course lost to the Habs. He led the playoffs in save percentage, GAA, and shutouts. He was also like preposterously old. He was 41. Yeah, um, that's, which nobody played to that age back then. Yeah, yeah. he was arguably uh, the best player as well on the 69 Blues. He led the playoffs in games played, wins, shutouts, and minutes. Um, on the 59 Canadians, he was just the, the best goalie. He uh, tied a single playoff record in wins. He led playoffs in save percentage in GA. He played every game. Of course, they won the Cup. In 58, he tied his single season record in wins. He led the playoffs in save percentage GA and shutouts, and he played every game. Um, in the, on the 56 Canadians, he tied his single playoff record in wins. He led playoffs in games played GA and shutouts, and he played every game. Um, on the 55 Canadians who did not win the playoff, uh, win the Stanley Cup, he led the playoffs in games, shots against, saves, and save percentage. Um, that might have been the year that he set the record wins. I don't remember. No, that, that wouldn't make sense. But anyway, uh, on the 55 Canadians, oh, wait, I have the 55 Canadians in here twice. I don't know why. That's that's a mistake. Um, I did these notes a long time ago. So, uh, And then uh, he also... Uh, he played every game in 61, but they didn't make it that far. Um, and then in uh, 62, uh, he also, 62 and 63 also played every game, but they didn't make it that far. And then uh, he was the backup on the 53 Canadians, and he led the playoffs in GAA despite being the backup goalie. So um, he is arguably, along with Ken Dryden and, I don't know, Patrick Waugh, a couple other people, he's arguably uh, one of the best uh, playoff goalies of all time in addition to being one of the best regular season goalies of all time. Um, if you look up his uh, his NHL um, like playoff career on hockey reference, you will see a ton of black ink. Like, I mean, it's like half black ink, almost. It's insane. Um, he was a, you know, a, a legendary uh, playoff performer. And... Um, you know, they won. He contributed to five cups, but even when he was the backup, he was arguably the better goalie. Um, 
the year that who was oh yeah they like did they pontoon it was Jerry McNeil Gary McNeil Jerry McNeil I think Jerry um well in some ways he was a better goalie anyway he was brand new the the league though I mean he's a no doubter right like absolutely no yeah. doubter he's one of the he's one of the you could probably say one of the top five goalies ever close to it um, yeah well, I mean like uh. You know, we sort of think more of like modern goalies like Hashik, Roy, uh, some people would say Bridger. Um, but like if you're looking at his era, I think his name is probably the first one you think of, right? Because here's the thing. You could look at like look at Perron. Perron had two years when he was the best goalie on the planet, and that's it. Look at Dryden. Dryden had a much shorter career. Better in some ways, but shorter. Yeah. Um Tony Esposito. Only regular season success. Glenn Hall, who we're going to talk about in a few episodes, mostly only regular season success. The thing about Plant, putting aside what he did for the sport with becoming the first goalie to popularize the mask, even if he didn't invent it, mm-hmm. that, that in itself, I think, gets him the Hall of Fame. But the fact that he was both dominant in the regular season, so dominant we're willing to give him a heart trophy, which I do not normally do for goalies. Um, yeah. And dominant in the playoffs. It's a rare combination, right? Like the best regular season goalies. Tony Esposito, you could argue, is the best, very close to the best regular season goalie ever in NHL history. Very close. Yet his playoff career is awful, you know, basically. And that partly that's who he played for. But like, Plant is like, you know, his, 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 in some ways, his, um, his playoff numbers are even better some years than his regular season numbers. Like it's, he's got yep. way more black ink anyway in the, in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. And he has a ton of black ink in the regular season. It's just, you know, so, I mean, I, yeah. I, I think I'd probably have him top five. Uh, I'd have to think about it, but it would be, I don't know if we're ever going to do a goalie list, but I think maybe, we, probably, will. maybe yeah, we will. He'd be, he'd be pretty close. Oh five. yeah, like he's he's in the conversation for sure. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, Hashik and Dryden. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when think. when you said a save percentage from like when he played, I was like, that's pretty impressive. Like yeah. I didn't think it was going to be that high. So. Yeah, two years, two years over nine forty is just bonkers. Yeah, that's wild. And that's in the seventies. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now he wasn't playing every game back then. Those were that's when he was on uh, St. Louis, and then I think uh, the Leafs. So I mean, he was like sort. He was just the, like he was splitting his time there, but still, it's still incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think there's no. There's just not even a. You know. Anyway, I I I, I don't know what else to say. I think you've run out of superlatives. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So, Pronovo. Uh, I think if I watched some game film, like if I actually had time to do that, uh, and people would pay me to do that, um, <laughs> I yeah. might have a di- I might have a different opinion just by watching how much he played and like sort of how important he was. Yeah. To like this, like maybe don't kick him out, but I don't. I don't really see the case that he should be in over a whole bunch of other people. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to kick him out, but I'm not thrilled. Like, I'm not impressed that he didn't kind of thing. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Andy Bathgate? Yeah, surprisingly yeah. Uh, very on board now. 
I think you could say, you could probably argue, second best right winger of his era, right? Behind yeah, him. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, close to it anyway. Well, it's, um, uh, what, it was uh, would have been would have been Hal Richard and then him, right? Oh yeah, yeah, but Richard yeah. would started earlier than he uh, did. Yeah, so there's okay. Yeah, so. I don't know if you would consider him a contemporary or not. It's, yeah, yeah. There, it's there's weird, definitely it's some weird when. Bit. It's weird when the first half of a guy's career takes place during the second half of another guy's career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're trying to compare them. You're like, yeah, it's like, I guess you can, but like, because you could be like, well, they played at the same time for like, you know, these eight years. Be like, yeah, but the other guy was 30. <laughs> like, so yeah. like, it's yeah. kind of not comparable. So, yeah, but yeah. Uh, definitely he's top three of his era for sure. Yeah. And uh, Jacques Plant, we just said. Yeah. Probably ridiculous. top five goalie of all time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's it for us this episode. We, as usual, I'll tease, we might might do one of our top ten lists next time, but probably not. So we'll probably just have the the class of 1977 next time. Um, so stay tuned for that. That's we're not quite getting. There's a class coming up in a few episodes that's going to be bonkers, and we might have to do a two parter. Um, <laughs> the class of uh, was it 75? Is it has. Yeah, 75 has five players. Wow. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, anyway, um, yeah, but uh, the good news is that the uh, the 77 class is two no-doubters, basically, so that's cool. Um, anyway, that's it for us, uh, and we will, uh, I guess we will see you next time.